What up, y'all? It's Jesse here, a.k.a. Jesse Prada, coming back at you with another episode on the Christ Convo podcast, where we inspire you to live the best way you can for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, I hope this episode blesses you. Let's get into it, y'all. What is new, y'all? What's new with me? What's new with your boy? It's been a while. Look, I have had so much on my plate that does not make an excuse, you know what I'm saying, um, for me to not be dropping the content as much as possible. But, um, you know, ooh, I guess I could definitely talk about what I've been noticing. Um, I was definitely grieved or moved by something, um, and it was about, like, the idea of competition in ministry. And I feel like it's such a real authentic um, topic or a, a real like transparent topic to think of because it's just something that's so evident in the body of Christ. And so I remember I posted a, a picture or I posted something on my story basically talking about, you know, um, you know, competition is demonic or whatever. Like we're on the same team, like especially going after or speaking to young ministers like I'm 23 years old, you know, and I would consider myself as somebody who um, is in ministry at a young age. And, you know, I feel like God is raising up a lot of young people, a lot of people that are in my age range that are, you know, initiating their process in ministry, you know. And so I feel like there's so many things that we have to watch out for. There's so many things that we have to point out before the enemy uses it to destroy us, you know. And something I've just noticed, man, that is just so bad is competition, bro. Like, I I notice a lot of young ministers, you know, and I'm not even going to sit here and act like I'm perfect because I've struggled with it from time to time and I've asked God to deal with me. Um, but the the demonic ambition and... I don't think a desire to be great is bad. Like, I think there's a way that Jesus can teach you how to be great. But I think when people want greatness for their sake, that's when it's error. You know what I mean? That's when it's erroneous. Because it's like the greatness is not for you. And so I see a lot of young people, you know, young ministers who you know what I'm saying, get on platforms and do things and you can see the ambition and it's not everybody, but there are people where it's there. And like, it's just sad because we don't need that. We don't, we don't need more competition in the body of Christ. We don't need more. We don't, we don't need a one man show. We don't need this to be a, you know what I'm saying? Um, something other than what it was designed to be. Ministry is not meant for a person to be seen. You know what I'm saying? It's meant for service. Like the word ministry in the Bible translates to service. And so I think like what this has to do is like it has to do with one being secure in yourself, being secure in who you are, how you are, how the spirit of God flows with you and not trying to tweak or change that based off of you know, the faces of men, you know, when God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, the, one of the first things he said was be not afraid of men in their faces. And what I'm noticing in 
what I'm noticing and what I feel like can definitely happen as with us as young ministers, we can be phased by men in their faces. And, you know, it's 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 a real thing because. If we're not careful, this can literally turn into a networking event like this is not corporate America. This is not a career fair where you go to different companies and show off your resume and all your different skills and get them to pick you and grant you a position with a salary. <coughs> Excuse me. That's not what this is. This is a ministry. This is a kingdom. So your space in this system or in this working called ministry is based off of God calling you and pulling you into that. And then like another thing too is, we always equate ministry to holding a microphone. We always equate ministry to preaching on a stage in a church when that is not the only form of ministry. And so we've limited that, but we've, we have idolized, glamorized and lusted after that specific position because of what it can do to our self-esteem or our pride, you know, um, which would boost it. You know what I mean? And, I think if we're not careful, we could turn we can make ministry into the knockoff version of the corporate arena. So, you know, the more skills you have, the more promoted you'll become or the more the more notable you are, you know what I'm saying, the more the more connections you'll get and the more connections you get, the more following you get, the more following you get, the more bigger conferences that you could and I'm just like Yo, but like, is Jesus being glorified? Like, do you have power though? Like, and don't get me wrong. I'm saying if there's, if the Lord is with you, it will be evident to men. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a big following, but I guess the things that I'm just wondering is what is the following built off of? What is the following for? Right? Like, and then I think another thing too, that's just sad is when young ministers like myself, you know what I'm saying? People in my age try to pretend to be like other people like and that's not good. God does not want to hear another some per like he does not want to hear another person when you're preaching. And I think that's what's terrible is like when you hear somebody and I know y'all have heard this, like know y'all have seen these instances where you are listening to somebody minister and it's like you're trying to sound like somebody else, bro. Or you're not even being your authentic self. Like, I don't know what your authentic self sounds like, but I know it ain't this. I can determine by the Holy Ghost that you are not being authentically you. And it's sad to me because the question is like, bro, what is this? You know what I'm saying? What What is this? What are we here for? Like, there are souls at stake. You know what I mean? And I just think it's so bad because how grieved is Jesus in these situations. There are people who are hopeless, who don't even want to live anymore. You get what I'm saying? Who are who are endowed in depression and bondage. And here we are focusing on our following. Here we are focusing on how much money we're getting paid to preach. Here we are focusing on how many connections we can make that are notable, that are big in numbers. You know what I'm saying? And I just think it's, there's nothing wrong with just a sober reminder to remember what this is about in the first place. What what is the need for ministry? I feel like if we 
ask ourselves that sobering question and say, what is the need? What is the necessity for ministry? Why does this form of ministry exist? I think we'll handle it differently because if we know the why, then we will know, okay, this is how I'm supposed to carry myself. This is why my perspective or my interaction with someone Sorry, y'all. I'm yawning. This is why the way that I chose to handle this is not okay. And it's important to look at things like that. It's important to check your heart. It's very important. Um, because as you're young, and like this is the thing, like when you're young and you're preaching the gospel and people enjoy it and stuff like that, like you get attention because simply because you're young, but it can really just go to your head and like you forget. It's like this was not about you. You could do the work and not know him. And so I guess like that's just something that I'm also trying to emphasize as well is you could do this work consistently day in and day out. And what's really wild is when you really see how God could use you and how the gift can function, then you can then you realize how scary it was. I remember when I preached my first sermon, like and I was like, I was so nervous. I was so shook because I don't take stuff like that lightly. But I preached my first sermon last month and, um, you know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do it. And I remember y'all like how kind of scared I was after I preached it. A lot of people be like, why is he scared? The reason why I was scared is because like I preached my sermon, people were touched, people said that they were changed. People told me they were crying while I was preaching. And then after I finished preaching, I ended up prophesying, um, you know, laying hands on people um, and just speaking life into people. And people said they were changed and impacted forever. I think the fear of the Lord hit me. First things first is when I when when I first went into ministry, my father said something to me (laughs) and he said, um, don't be a jack leg now. For those of y'all who don't know what that means, my father is nearly 60 years old. So that was just a term that they said back in the old days, which was like, don't be a don't be a chump. Don't be don't tweak. You know what I'm saying? Don't play around with God's people. But when he said that, it stuck with me anyway. (laughs) Just wanted to share that fond memory of mine. Um, But when when I got done preaching, I sat down and I cried. I cried because I was honored. The fact that God used me in such a powerful way. And um. I cried because I was just happy to see people impacted and changed for the better. And they knew that the source of that impact was Jesus. Um, And I just knew the Lord was pleased. And so I was happy about that. But after my joy, I guess, in being able to share and minister, there was a subtle form of fear slash terror of the Lord, have you will, that struck my heart. And what it was, was the fact I'm like, wow, you know what? If I lived any kind of way, God could have still moved like this. And because here's the thing, you can get so familiar with doing something and being fluent at it that you don't take it seriously anymore and you're still able to perform. Now, it can affect your performance subtly, but like 
here's an example, right? You have someone like LeBron. LeBron has played basketball so much. You know what I'm saying? He's practiced so much. He's worked hard so much. You know what I'm saying? If LeBron did not play basketball at all, if he did not practice basketball for like a week or something like that, let's just say like he went on vacation for a week, you know what I'm saying, didn't touch a basketball not one time. If he gets on the court a week later, he's still going to be LeBron. He may have to, he may miss a couple shots, but like he has entered into a realm where whether if he practices or not consistently, like he's still going to perform. Now it might not be at the same level that he would if he were to practice every single day, but he's still going to perform because he's been so fluent and has a level of excellence in the game to where he's able to perform. I'm not comparing myself to the LeBron of preaching or the LeBron of ministry. What I'm saying is, is like when you're a young minister, as you continue to minister and as you continue to flow under the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will become more skillful in facilitating ministry because you just you grow with experience. Right. So like the Bible says the gifts and the callings are without repentance. So your growth and skill in your calling doesn't have anything to do with your devotion to Jesus. And that is what scares me, bro. And so, like, I think another thing, too, that a lot of ministers, you know, can wrestle with, especially young ministers. And I mean, this I'll even share what helped me with this. And it's not even like to demean or to downgrade anybody. It's just a sober look. But a lot of ministers, you know, deal with comparison because you may see somebody on an Instagram live or you may see somebody preaching or you may see somebody, um, you know, being connected to another mighty man or slash woman of God. Right. And so you see that and you struggle with comparison sometimes because you're like, dang, like, well, this person is ahead of me or this person is like, you know, um, doing a lot more than me or this person is more articulate than me or this person is more skillful than me. And like I used to struggle with that. And I know a lot of people may think of it as bad, but I'm just like, you know, when I look at people, it's not just certain people, it's anybody. Honestly, if I look at people and I admire their ministry and they're my age and like I know that comparison would try to get into my heart, you know, subtly, what my mind will go to is like, you know what, this person could be living any old kind of way right now. This person could not know a lick of Jesus right now. This person could literally just be walking in their gift and that alone. Like God could be looking at this person and turn his nose up right now. And I'm not saying I know that because I don't, you know, at the end of the day, that's between that that's between that person and God. You know what I mean? Um, but I feel like it is a sober, it, it is a form of awareness that I think has been beneficial to me because I've learned through that to not look at the next man for nothing. Because at the end of the day, like, regardless of what somebody else knows, look, like I've, I've seen people preach facts. I've seen people speak facts. I've seen people, you know what I'm saying, post stuff on Instagram live or on their stories and like, it's like, we know good and well, though, like, regardless of how deep of what you're saying, we know you're not living this. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I know y'all have had situations like this before where it's like, regardless of how much people listen, people love to talk Jesus, but they don't like to live Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't care how deep your scriptures are. I don't care how deep your tongues are, how deep your prayers are like on Instagram live, the healings and the manifestations that follow and echo your ministry. That's great. But like at the end of the day, only you know if you're living this walk out for real. Only you know if you're submitted. Only you know if you're honorable. Only you know if you're integral. Only you know if you're truthful. Only you know what your motive is for even getting on a social media platform in the first place. Only you know that. And sometimes God covers it. Sometimes he doesn't. But either way, his eyes go to and fro beholding every good and evil deed. And so thought processes like these is what helps me stay sober in saying, Jesse, just run your race. Matter of fact, it's not even a race. It's a marathon. The point is to simply finish and finish well. It's not about who can get the following the quickest. It's not about who can host. It's not about who can host the conference the quickest. It's not about who can do this at this rate of speed. It's about who can do it effectively and correctly? Who's who can do it with a lasting effect that leaves the residue of Christ on it? You know what I'm saying? That's what this is about. And so it's a reminder to stay sober. It's a reminder to say, okay, Lord, I'm going into this form of ministry where I'm speaking and I'm a spokesperson for the church and things of that nature. And this is what you've called me to do. Father, keep me sober keep me sober also you have to be wise because the thing is is if you don't know who you are you'll let anything and anyone connect to you so anything that looks attractive anything that looks appealing that wants to connect to you because you're insecure and you don't know who you are you'll just accept it also pray about your connections pray about who reaches out to you and who you choose to connect with just because somebody discerned the anointing and the call of God on your life doesn't necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit wants to connect with them. Also, folks are out here as predators. They're really not they're really not interested in your gift and your calling and your anointing. Well, let me rephrase that. They're interested in it, but they're interested in it for their gain, for their benefit. They're not interested in your soul. They're not interested in your mind. They're not interested in any of that. They see the call, they see the anointing, and they want to connect. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would just say test every connection by the Holy Ghost. Run it by the Spirit of God and see, okay, Lord, why does this person want to connect with me? And also, if you have a leader, which you should, run your ministerial connections by your leader. Oh, gosh, this is going to correlate into another topic that I plan to do soon. But I'm saying, like, simply connecting to folks without people in who are who have a who have spiritual authority above you. You know, what I'm saying not knowing. I just don't think that's the wisest thing to do. I think if this is somebody that you're planning to walk with, somebody that you're planning to do ministry with, you know what I'm saying? I think your covering should know that your covering should be aware. And if you don't have pastors I'm sorry, if, you, if, you, if you're in a position where you can't get into contact with the direct leader of the church, bro, you need like 
a pastor, a discipleship lead, an elder, somebody over you should know that you're getting ready to be involved with somebody else ministerially because these are people that are in charge of the upkeep of your soul. And also it's, it's sad and we hope these things don't happen, but if you jack up, who answers for your foolishness? Who's responsible for sending you out? The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? How can one preach lest he be sent? The authority, oh gosh, the authority for you to fully preach is for you to be sent. So we have a lot of people nowadays, they're getting frustrated. They're getting annoyed because the the, the things that they are loosing ministerially are not gaining any traction. And like I said, it's not about numbers. It's not about clout. But maybe one of the reasons why the authority of their voice is not, you know, trickling in the spirit realm or they're not gaining any traction or folks ain't really listening to them is because they ain't been sent by nobody. You know what I mean? And so I just think it's very, very interesting with that. Um, Have you been sent? My grandfather used to say there's three kind of preachers, one who God called, one who the devil called. And the third one, ain't nobody called him. He just went. Sometimes people like to do, you know what I'm saying, ministry on the pulpit just because it looks cool. You sucked at everything else, so you want to be a preacher. My God. You you were dookie at every other thing that you tried before. So instead of possibly seeking direction of what else you may do, you decided to get on a pulpit. You decided to write a sermon. You decided to start prophesying on Instagram Live. And I know we do certain things like that, but there is also accountability with those things. You don't just go and do stuff. So it's just a it's just something to consider. It's just something to consider. You know what I'm saying? Um, I believe everybody is called to preach in their own way. Preaching is not just for the pulpit, right? Our lives should prophesy that Jesus is Lord. Our lives should prophesy repentance. Our lives should prophesy that we serve the Lord, period. Camera or not, pulpit or not. This is not just simply for those that are in front of a camera or in front of a platform. And honestly, the real thing, it, I think that's what really will, will test you, honestly. I think this is why God allows people to go without a platform sometimes is because like I question and even myself, like as somebody who used to do a lot of Instagram lives and don't get me wrong, like I want to keep doing them and I haven't had time to. So I hope to do them again soon. (coughs) But like when you have people that are constantly on social media, I don't think it's a bad thing. So hear my heart with that. I am not in no way. Am I saying social media is a bad and no way am I saying that social media ministry is bad, but I guess my question is, and it's a rhetorical question. Will all this smoke for Jesus be given when there's no cameras? Like, and I'm not just talking about talking the gospel. I'm talking about living the gospel. So if somebody offers you a blunt and nobody sees you, will you turn it away? If somebody, whether if it's the opposite sex or the same sex, I don't care what temptation, 
if somebody offers you sexual pleasure and nobody's watching, will you turn it away? When you are in a position to where you can honor slash dishonor your leaders or the instruction that God gave you through your leaders and nobody will know, will you do that? Will you serve? Will you will you serve when nobody's watching? If nobody gives you an applause for cl- unclogging the toilet or wiping down the tables in the church or mopping the floors, will you do that? When you have an opportunity to go preach and a ministry engagement and the Lord tells you no, will you listen? Because at the end of the day, If you're going to travel and live the glamorous life of ministry traveling, not everybody knows that you didn't obey the Holy Ghost with the areas that you choose to go preach at. Only you know that. And sometimes the Holy Ghost will snitch on you, but majority of the time, that's not how it works, you know? So, like, are you in a place to where you're sensitive to the Holy Ghost, to where he can tell you not to go preach somewhere because you can you can get in a very dangerous place to where the holy ghost is now a yes man to you so everywhere that invites you is an automatic yes from the holy ghost when that ain't the holy ghost that's your ambition you want to be on BET you want to be on the own network you want to be the next TD Jakes man I just feel like it's so important to check our hearts with this kind of stuff, bro. Because we could just get so caught up in the glamour. You know, I remember it was the day after I preached. I'm sorry. Not the day. It was the it was the Sunday after I preached. I preached on a Wednesday. And then there was a Sunday that I, it was the Sunday after I preached. So basically like 3 days later, right? Hold on. Oh yeah. I preached on a Wednesday. Jesus. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so three days later, basically. And there was this couple that came up to me at the altar call. And um, amazing couple. Loved them to death. Um, Amazing couple. I just met them, but my heart for them was so big. Um, Neither one of them were saved. And I remember that I spoke to them. And um, I just told them, you know. I, t- I shared with them God's heart. This one guy came up to me. He was crying. He said he was wicked for, you know, 30-something years. And, like, he wanted to follow the Lord. He wanted to repent. And, you know, I could feel the condemnation uh, weighing on him of what he did. And I told him, I said, bro, God will forgive you, bro. I said, who I, w- who I used to be, if God can forgive me, he can forgive you. Um, and his wife, she didn't believe either. And what I saw from her was like she didn't think she was worthy to even receive Jesus because she thought simply because that she didn't have any experience in religion that she wasn't able to meet him. I asked I asked her, I said, do you want to meet Jesus? And she said, I don't know. And in her, I don't know. I knew that she wanted to. I knew that she wanted to say yes, but she didn't think that she was qualified because she didn't have all of the quote unquote religious experiences that ones like me might have had. 
But I told her, I said, hey, Jesus will meet anybody. And this is going to get to my point. Um, they then both gave their lives to Christ. I prayed, prophesied for both of them, and I just hugged them afterwards. And I remember um, both of them were crying. And I remember after they gave their lives to Christ, they ended up going back to their seats. And I'm at the altar and I'm crying like a baby, still praying for people, still ministering to people. But I'm crying like a baby, bro. And even after service, my friends, some of my friends were just there, you know, with me because I was crying in my chair like a baby because two people just got saved and gave their life to Christ. I couldn't stop crying. I felt the joy of the Lord. The Bible says heaven rejoices after one sinner um, comes to repentance. So how much more does heaven rejoice when two sinners come to repentance? You know what I mean? And they're both doing well now. Like they're both pursuing the Lord. You know what I mean? And that was so sweet and precious. And I remember crying and I could feel the joy that heaven was feeling. And it was so, it was over. I was overjoyed. I could not stop crying y'all. And I remember I spoke to him. I spoke to one of the evangelists at my church and he was just telling me, man, like it really shows and it speaks volume that you can cry over something like that, that something like that moves you. Like, and so, because, and I think the thing is why that was such a precious moment for me is because it it let me know that I was on one accord with the father, that I had his heart, that I have his heart because I was able to feel his heart because his heart was rejoicing when they got saved. And so the reason why I stated all of that is because that should be the end goal. When we get up to minister, when we get up to pray, when we get up to prophesy, that should be the end goal for folks to give their life to Jesus. And personally, from what I've noticed in the realm of ministry, especially with young people, I do not think that that is our goal. I cannot say confidently that overall, when it comes to young ministers, that our goal is to see people meet Jesus. I don't. I think we say it is, but I don't think our actions and our livelihood matches what we're saying. And I'm not saying it's all of us. I'm not. But I'm saying I know that there are many people that that is not their end goal. But that's what it's about. I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm so grateful that I was able to be moved by that to the magnitude that I was. We're moved by when we prophesy. We're moved by fancy detailed oriented prayer and intercession were moved by deep prophetic worship music and were moved by crazy revelation and deep revelation were moved by miracles were moved by the casting out of devils and all of those things can be led of the spirit but can are, are we 
are we moved when a sinner comes to repentance? Like, does it hit our spirit to the same way that a prophetic word would? Does that hit our spirit? Because as a matter of fact, when it comes to the prophetic, the Bible says if you prophesy in the presence of an unbeliever, he will fall to his face and say, surely God is among you. That scripture indicates that an unbeliever will drop to their knees and say, surely God. So he, the, the unbeliever drops to his knees, which is a form of reverence and surrender and acknowledges that God is first a person. And not only is he real, but he's in the midst. He's in this place. So what, what is, what is our point in this? Why are we doing this? I want every young minister, including myself, just a sobering question. Why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this? What is your reasoning for doing this? What keeps you going when you don't feel like doing this anymore? How did this come to be? What is the, what is the foundation of you operating in what you're operating in? Is, is it motivated by the heart of God? Or is it motivated by you? Oh, man. It's a really sobering podcast, but I just think it's necessary. It's necessary to confront. It's necessary to highlight. I've been learning recently in my life. The more you expose things, the less room the enemy has to use it against you. It is important that we highlight these things, y'all. We have to. We have to. They're real we go through them and we can't act like we don't. I just feel like we've lost what is truly important. We we we've been through so many quote unquote powerful moves of God. So many conferences, so many, you know, spectacular church events I don't know whatever have you will but are people knowing Jesus fam did like when when you left after everything after all of the oomph after all of the knuck and buck and shucking and jiving and speaking in tongues and prophecy and healings and miracles and demons getting cast out like after all of that did you know Jesus, though? Did, did you meet Jesus? And I could just hear the Lord even now grieved because it's like. It's like when a man. This this is literally what it is. This is the best way that I could picture it. I'm just going to be very blunt and honest. The best way that I could picture it right now when it comes to ministry is when a man gives a woman attention simply because he wants to have sex with her. He then has sex with her, receives his orgasm, and then leaves and never communicates with her again because all he wanted was sexual pleasure. That's how we are with Jesus, bro. That's literally what it is. It's like we use his gifts, we use his callings, we use his power, 
but we throw him as a person to the side. Mm. We are so, oh man, so far. But the reason why I'm sharing this is because young minister, whoever you are, including myself, use this to provoke a hunger and a fire in you to do things the right way, to do things from a pure place, to do things from an effective and efficient place. Let let you be moved to set the captives free through the power of Jesus Christ. Let you be moved to restore hope to those that are hopeless. Let you be moved to escort the orphans into what it means to have a home in Christ. You get what I'm saying? Let you be moved to bring the light to those that are in darkness. I hope this provoked you. I hope this stirred you. I hope this put a hunger inside of you. Even talking to it now, even talking to this topic now put a hunger in me. So, I just pray. I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to close. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every gift. We thank you for every call. We thank you for every mandate, God. We pray, Father, that if there be any impure idea, any impure motive, God, let it be stripped away from us in Jesus' name, God. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would be a willing vessel, God, that seeks to promote and advance your kingdom alone, God. I thank you, Father, that we will not seek connections. We will not seek clout. We will not seek notoriety. We will not seek fame, but we will seek you. And all these things will be added. God, I thank you. In every area where you are not first, I ask, Lord, that you would be enthroned in our hearts in that area. We love you. We thank you. It is in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Hope this was food for thought. I will see y'all on the next podcast. Peace. What up, y'all? I just want to say that I appreciate each and every person that decided to listen to this latest podcast episode. I hope you were blessed and I hope you enjoyed it. There is definitely more to come. If you have not followed me on Instagram, follow me at Jesse Prada at J-E-S-S-E-P-R-O-D-A. And I will see you all on the next episode. Peace.